This podcast is in association with Spotlight Studios, a family of podcasts driven to create unique, one-of-a-kind content. If you have any interest in learning more, please visit SpotlightStudiosPodcast.com. Did you write it especially for Macaulay? I, he was in the back of my mind. I had just finished Uncle Buck and I had a, had a wonderful experience with him there. He was a great deal of fun to work with. Three. Did you want to go into the business or did your mom and dad think it would be a good thing for you? How'd it happen? Um, well, it just kind of popped up. Two. Last night when I saw the movie, you were sitting just the row in front of me and really? you were having a real good time. Yeah, I thought it was real funny. I liked it a lot. I, I think it's my favorite movie yet. Now, what about all the, the, the publicity, all the screaming fans and the stretch limo? Is that, do you like all that stuff? It's okay, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Suppose it was all taken away. Could you handle that? One. The whole movie, I am panicking about trying to get home to my son. It reads as one thing to play almost. It's a challenge to try to get different levels of that, you know, of, of being upset and being hopeful and being, you know, giving up and... But never really giving up, fighting all the way. The limelight. I think you guys have got a terrific hit on your hands. Home Alone could become one of those classic movies that they'll show time and again at Christmas. It's just great fun and it's a fine film. Welcome to Home Alone. I'm bringing behind the scenes. Gabby Brown here with Mr. Aaron Kowser. Hello. And Sean Paddock. Hey. We are here for some director talk. I've got some Culkin lore behind the scenes. Everyone is here to talk Home Alone. And this... This is a siren. This is a siren. <laughs> Wee-woo, 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 wee-woo. Kevin McAllister, what have you done again? This, this is, is... This is the green room. Here we are. This is the green room. We're green. Welcome to the green room, everyone. I'm 43. And um, I was 11 when this movie came out. So this is right up my alley as as an 11-year-old boy. And Mm -hmm. I remember seeing it in the theater. And there's something about it, the movie, that was just totally different than a lot of the other comedies you saw as a kid. Primarily because a child was the star of the show, where you didn't really quite have that back then. You know, you had the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, Mel Gibson, you had Clint Eastwood. I mean, I guess you had Annie, but she was literally an orphan, you know? Like, the things that they had, the kid was not, like, the protagonist, the one that was calling the shots. Yeah, and right. you see a little bit of it in television, Gary Coleman and Urkel. There were a few child actors that were bigger in television, but not nearly as much in movies. Maybe it's, there wasn't enough training for the kids or didn't want to invest in a lot of money on a child running the show. You never know if that child's going to be as talented to carry a a very expensive movie. Hayden Christensen. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, yeah, exactly. Or the the opposite end, you look at Haley Joe Osmond and Sixth Sense. Oh, yeah. The youngest person to be nominated for an Oscar. Like, it was literally a kid that knocked it out of the park and he was, what, like 12? Yeah, I don't think this, yeah, and I don't think movies like that would have been able to happen unless Home Alone happened. Absolutely. What actually sparked the idea for this story? I know that, that fear, you know, there's a fear that children have of being left behind, and there's the fear that uh, adults have of leaving their kids behind, which I thought would be a good uh, uh, 
good emotion to build a movie on. Back in those days, a lot of the comedies by John Hughes, who wrote Home Alone, were a lot of teenager style comedies like The Breakfast Club and Pretty in Pink, 16 Candles, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and Uncle Buck, where we discovered Macaulay Culkin in that John Candy vehicle, Uncle Buck. Must have just fell in love. What if we could drive a movie with this young eight-year-old boy? And he ended up writing the movie Home Alone. Slapstick comedy script with this child outwitting these bandits. But he didn't want it directed. He didn't have time to direct it. And he had a friend of his, Chris Columbus. He directed Adventures in Babysitting, which was his debut movie, which was actually pretty good. Came off with a flop called Heartbreak Hotel. And he thought his directing days were over. But John Hughes really thought something about Chris and he gave him this vehicle and brought it to Warner Brothers. Bob Daly, who was head of Warner Brothers at the time, also was very concerned about a child running a movie. So Bob Daly and John Hughes agreed on a $10 million budget. And as most movies gets going, the budget gets a little high. They had everything ready to go to start filming. It just had to be approved with Bob Daly and the budget from Warner Brothers. They had basically taken over an abandoned school to create the sets for the house. They had everything ready to go to start filming. It just had to be approved with Bob Daly and the budget from Warner Brothers. But 14.7 is not what they agreed upon. Chris Columbus and the people who were running Home Alone at the time said, we have to have it at 14.7. Immediately, Warner Brothers shut down the project. John Hughes, who had friends over at Fox, let them know about this and they financed the movie, saving Home Alone from being totally canceled, making $264 million at the box office, which had not been done since either E.T. and Star Wars. Wow, Warner Brothers, you <laughs> missed out. You missed out, buddy. A total mess up by Bob Dale and, and Warner Brothers. Yeah, ding dongs. And I'm sure that he probably felt the pain of that for the rest of his career. I stumbled into teen films. I started making teen films because if I was going to direct, you know, I wanted to make sure that I didn't have an actor say to me, you know, you have no idea what you're doing because I didn't. John Hughes knew a little bit with the kids stuff because he wrote National Lampoons, European Vacation, Vegas Vacations, like the stuff that goes on with Rusty in those films. It's obviously it's not the center point of the movie, but there's a lot of younger kids comedy and, and themes and things going on. And I'm sure he pulled a little bit of that to add to this movie, or at least find a little inspiration for this movie in those scenes from those movies. Chris Columbus was supposed to direct National Lampoon Vacation, and he just hated Chevy Chase so much that he, he, he just <laughs> like, I, I can't do it. Worked out great for Chris because as that's when John Hughes gave him the script for Home Alone, when the vacation movie didn't work out. You can't have one Christmas movie. Let's give you another. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Chris Columbus always says he, he loves Christmas and he wanted to make a great Christmas movie. And Home Alone, when, when John wrote it, it was more slapsticky. And Chris put a lot of the Christmas elements into that movie with, with the family, with the church, with the, with the nativity stuff. Probably resonated with a lot of families. Yeah. Added a little that. magic to it. Mysticism and magic in the air. It kind of floats throughout the film. Yeah. It's yeah. Christmas. Anything can happen. <laughs> exactly. Casting for this movie is also really what made it such a wonderful piece. How do kids react to you uh, from the Home Alone films? What kind of interesting reactions do you get from them? Well, whenever I see them in airports or something, they, they usually come up and they're staring. And then I say to them, uh, would you let me rob your house if your family left you home alone? Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern as the wet bandits. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what do you tell Joe Pesci after he just got done filming Goodfellas? We want you to come be the bad guy in this kid's Christmas movie. <laughs> He's like, what? 
Like what, seriously? Like I, I like I'm I'm genuinely curious how much they paid him to play that role because I'm sure it was a pretty penny. It had to be. And in in you think if their budget was only ten million dollars, yeah. I mean, how much did that? Half take of that's out? going to half yeah. of that's going to Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he made the movie too. Like, he did absolutely, oh, absolutely. He did the leader of the the Wet Bandits. My God, that uh, is the sketchy cop you don't believe. Absolutely. The little things he did, like staying away from Macaulay Culkin on set and and most of the other kids intentionally and trying to seem kind of grumpy. He wanted them to think he was kind of a mean old guy. So the interaction would be a little more organic when it was on film. Being an experienced actor, you know you're working with a kid. Yeah, he can act, but he's not an incredible actor. He's still figuring things out. So it's like, what could I do to do him a little favor here? Well, I'll, I'll be a dick. I'll, I'll just be like, I'll kid. be really scary and intimidating. So when he's in scenes, he actually seems like scared of me, you right. know, and it obviously worked and came off well in the movie. I bet Macaulay Culkin had nightmares of Joe. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Well, he had a hard time not cussing too, because obviously doing all those mobster movies and talking mm-hmm. under his breath, he struggled a lot with not cursing in front of the children. <laughs> yeah, there's some challenges for him for sure. Yeah. So it was kind of out of his comfort zone, but he probably wanted to maybe make it for his kids. I'm, I'm sure there was some yeah. kind of, there was some probably some reason why he wanted to do Home Alone. Mm-hmm. The children. When it was snowing, 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 and then I had 10 minutes to shoot the scene of the kid going in the church, and we had a break in the snow, and um, the AD says, Julio, who do you know up there to stop the snow? Those were the key shots, big and wide and close on the kid's face. With such a small budget, the crew were kind of a ragtag crew that Chris Columbus brought over from his flop Heartbreak Hotel, an Elvis comedy that low-budget crew was able to make a beautiful movie that really created incredible careers. Julio McCott. Yeah, Julio McCott, the mm-hmm. cinematographer, yeah. Came super cheap and just took advantage of the situation, learned on the fly, and really made a name for himself on this movie. Talking about Julio, the cinematography in that film is that the movie looks so distinct. Like when you talk to someone about Home Alone, it's got like a soft, warm glow to it. That's not a coincidence. It's not like that just happened. It was a distinct decision by the man to use carbon arc lighting system, which at the time in 1991 was an incredibly antiquated. It was a lot more popular in the 50s, 60s, 70s that actually used a burning fuel to create light. And it created this warmth that really comes through in this movie. And that along uh, John Williams' music composition just really, really. And then you add Macaulay Culkin with his little spice there. And it really turned into an incredible project. You know, John Williams is scoring it, you know, because because obviously he knows he knows the importance of that moment and he knows when to kick up the music when you want to make a point you have a strong visual and it's got to be in, in in sync with with great music going back to john williams if you watch that movie without that music it's still a, a pretty good movie but john williams music did something that lifted the experience up it was the glue that put it all together yeah. at the end everyone knows the home alone music the music is just so important to this movie it's iconic yeah he earned that oscar can't believe they were able to afford him too that's yeah. that's what got me because john i didn't realize until doing my research for this movie the dude has five oscars has done music for so many, not just movies, but huge movies. He's done most of the Star Wars series, Munich, Memoirs of a Geisha. I was yeah. looking through and I, I saw many, many Oscar nominations and I'm mm-hmm. like, damn, this dude has had a hell of a career. One of the greatest ever. Yeah, that's ever existed. You know, basically it's just throwing yourself up and landing hard. 
I love it. The authentic stunts that the stuntmen did, especially in that last segment where they're going through the house with all the booby traps, the falls and the, and the hits. And did he get have an iron, an actual iron fall in his face? <laughs> no, I didn't think that. No, God. No, but the falling off is like this, yeah, the, the okay. icy stairs and, and the micro machines mm-hmm. when those two fell together. That was real. Ugh. <laughs> Ouch. And then pretty spectacular. It just made that scene more believable instead of, you know, having a bunch of CGI and Absolutely. special effects. We I see love now. that. I love when people use physical elements, whether it be makeup design, physical stunt people need to get their money still too. Quentin Tarantino loves his stunt people and even implements them a lot in his main films. Like Zoe Bell is just who comes to my mind because she's one of my favorite stunt people ever. They train so hard on not hurting themselves that we should use them. It should be an element that is still very involved in Hollywood. I don't want to have to use CGI, you know, like if we can make them fall and nobody gets hurt, let's, let's just do the do, you know, they want to really see it. That's why my home alone stays so relevant. I think. But you come from what? Seven kids, Mac? Yeah, I'm the um, third oldest. Anybody else in show business in your in your family? Well, my younger brother, he played Fuller in the movie. Oh. And my older brother, Shane, he played, well, he was in a Broadway show. I love the Culkins, love the Culkin family, love Kieran, love Macaulay, love Rory. I don't love their parents, but I love everybody else in their family. Both of the Culkin parents were both actors, so they were obsessed with their children becoming actors as well. Even though they did not have a lot of money themselves, they literally just kept popping them out. They had like eight kids. I think he had two half siblings too, or two step siblings. Kieran and Macaulay and their sister Dakota were really close growing up and that is just the element for them. I guess Macaulay experienced quite a bit of abuse from his father growing up as well. So as soon as he was able to, he emancipated himself from his parents at the age of 15 just to get out of that abusive situation. And he also sued his parents for $14 million because they had taken total control of his money. His dad was his manager. He was just using his child. Macaulay for his entire life up until that point was the main provider for the entire Colkin family, which is just really sad. Force your child into work and then make them the sole provider for your family. It's a lot of money. I mean, do you get to see any of the money that you've been making? No, my mom takes it to the bank. Oh, does she? That's what she tells you. Yeah. <laughs> you hope. Karen and Macaulay, I guess, don't talk anymore for the most part because of the abuse that Macaulay experienced and the fact that Kieran doesn't necessarily acknowledge the abuse. Kieran says that his dad is not a good guy by any means, but he didn't experience it in the same way that Macaulay did. And I feel like Macaulay probably experienced a lot differently than all of his siblings because he was truly like the sole provider of their family. What does your family think of you being a movie movie star? Oh, everyone treats me the same. What about your brothers and sisters? They do too? Yeah. All of the Colkin kids had OG kids movies. Like Kieran was in Home Alone with Macaulay. Rory, one of the younger ones, he was the main kid in Signs. Their parents literally monetized themselves on child acting, like which is really honestly fucked up. It was the legitimate, I will live through my child if I cannot have my dreams come true goal. 
I can't even imagine having eight siblings and almost all of them having like some form of acting or some form of child abuse from their parents. Those kids must have just been so close and just knowing that they have this connection with each other and not necessarily with their parents just has to make them love each other even more. You come from a big family. Could you have imagined your parents leaving you like that? Sometimes, yeah. The main instigator in both of their lives, Kieran and Macaulay's sister, Dakota, died in a car accident when she was 30 and it ruined both of their lives. Like Kieran's talked about it in interviews where he's literally like, I still will just be sitting on the couch and think of something funny she said and burst into tears. He apparently based his character in succession in his sister Dakota's dark comedy. Apparently she was a very cynical young lady. Just a funny little story of them being on SNL together. Christmas time the year after Home Alone is when Macaulay hosts it. First skit. Kieran was so pissed that he could not be in it. He's like a little kid. I want to go up and be with my brother. I want to do this. He literally runs the stage at the end after he's been in the audience the entire night. Pick me up. Pick me up. Literally just runs up to one of the cast members and he's like, put me on your shoulders right now as this little kid. And so <laughs> literally Kieran Culkin is just being raised into the air on the <laughs> SNL skit because he was like, I want to be on the stage. I want this too. Aww. And so he always knew he was going to be an actor too. There was never really going to be a choice in that as well. It's just a fun little SNL blip there. But it is a family gig. Yeah, and there's just different rules, I guess, you know, there's a different culture and a lot of it's not nice. No, it's yeah. real messed up. I mean, we talked about Mulholland Drive. That's like the dark, sketchy shit of Hollywood. He's had a hard, long knock of it all from drug addiction and abusive relationships. Mila Kuna talked recently about her relationship with Macaulay Culkin and how she literally, in her own words, said, I was a dick. I was a bad person when I dated Macaulay Culkin and literally after that relationship, I sat down with myself and said, I need to make a life change. She's never said what she did to Macaulay specifically, but she fucked him up a little bit. And that's really when the drug abuse started after that. And so he's been doing great now. Yeah, He's married to Brenda Song, London Tipton from The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. They have a child together. And I am just so proud of that man. I love Macaulay Culkin. He is the OG child actor. They built child acting around him, we really didn't know what was going to happen. Putting a child in the limelight like that, we have learned so much from what stardom does to the youth and how much it can affect people in a negative way and just being more apparent and more aware that, yo, these are just kids. We do not need to be as harsh on them as adults. We do not need to get on their asses or treat them in the same way. They're still learning. I'm glad that you've figured that shit out, Macaulay, because I would be devastated. I remember there was a TMZ scare when I was in college that Macaulay Culkin had OD'd, and I cried because I love that man, and I just hope he is doing the best. One of the strongest people around Hollywood, I'm sure. Truthfully, and I mean, he, don't, don't, don't take shit no more. We love you. You are America's sweetheart. Macaulay, a 10-year-old boy, was called a superstar, a moneymaker, one of the hottest leading young men in Hollywood. How does anyone survive that? Well, I believe you'd have to possess a certain quality, a gift, your sense of humor. It's a sign of intelligence in a child and a key to surviving life at any age. And you have brought that sense of sweet, yet twisted, yet totally relatable sense of humor to everything that you have chosen to do since Home Alone. Macaulay, 
Congratulations, you so deserve your star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We want to thank all our listeners and everyone who, who hears the, our episodes, and we want to wish you all the greatest holiday you can have. And we love you, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen to us talk about our favorite films. And thank you guys for picking such a monumental film for us to discuss. I don't doubt it will be your last. I have a feeling we'll be asking the audience to select a couple more movies in the future, so make sure to check out the Facebook group, The Limelight, on Facebook to check out our most recent posts or even if you guys like need anything from us message us whatever we got uh the facebook group the limelight and uh at spotlight studios on instagram yeah tell us what you think and i want to officially welcome sean paddock to the group (laughs) as a new as a new host member and we are so thankful and and so happy that that you're on board well thank you i'm incredibly stoked to be here yay it's been, been an incredible experience for sure it's a lot of fun awesome. and i look forward to many more mm-hmm. Very good. and with that merry christmas everybody merry christmas merry christmas christmas and a happy new year <laughs> happy chrysler all the screaming fans and the stretch limo is that you like all that stuff it's okay you know yeah <laughs> suppose it was all taken away could you handle that yeah I bet you could, too. And I wish you great success in your career, which I'm sure is going to be star-spangled. Thank you for joining us. Okay. Macaulay. All of our resources will be found in the show notes or on the website. Please check them out if you have any questions.